Hi, Explorers. Thanks for listening to Kids Who Explore Parent Edition. Come along with us as we cover all corners of raising kids in the outdoors. Hi, I'm Adriana Scori. I'm a hiking mom in the Canadian Rockies, Mama to Turner, and CEO of Kids Who Explore. I'm Lauren Rodick Eberly. I'm mom to Collins. We love being outside and exploring between our two homes in Seattle, Washington, and Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Today's podcast is sponsored by Kids Who Explore's Patch for a Purpose. Every time we see our patch out in the world, we feel the love and support behind it. Our patches can be sewn onto backpacks, jackets, bags, or even baby carriers, to name a few. Or they can be carried in your packs as special adventure items for all your little explorers. Our patch comes in eight different colors, and a dollar from each patch goes to a, you guessed it, purpose. Your support can make a difference for all of the following charity groups, depending on which color patch you want to represent. Alberta Parks, Children's Disability, BIPOC and Anti-Racism, Sick Children, The Earth, Children's Wellbeing, Anti-Bullying, and Children's Mental Health. Check out the hashtag Patch for a Purpose to see our patch and the community behind it. That's hashtag Patch, the number four, a purpose. To get your patch today, visit www.kidswhoexplore.ca. We thank you in advance for the difference you are making. The Kellys are an Australian family living on an ultra-remote island called Upi, located in the Solomon Islands. Usually, they run an ethical tourist resort, attracting mostly scuba divers, and a grassroots-based charity, centered around protecting this incredible natural environment and traditional islander way of life. Jace, with a background in international business, and Katie, a clinical pharmacist, the pair are well-equipped to manage this alternative lifestyle and give back to the local community. Arlo, three and a half years old, and Ophelia, two years, have been the perfect addition to their island's life, encouraging them to explore the ocean through new eyes. Jace and Katie are both keen free divers and especially love exploring untouched islands and reefs around their home island with their kids in tow. Jace, Katie, thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Thanks for having, for having us. us. We are so excited to talk to you guys. And again, like we were saying before we recorded, you making the time work because you are much ahead of us. You're a whole day ahead of us. <laughs> How did you two make the decision to move to such a remote location? You can start on that. I, think. <laughs> uh, I guess the, my parents made the decision for me. I was two months old when I first came to the Solomons. Um, my yeah. mother and father had come with my older brother four years prior and had been pretty much been coming ever since. And so I've really never known life without Oopi in it. And we just continued to come back and forth. My mother and father got more involved in the resort here all the way back in 1982. And yeah, it's, this has been my second home my entire life. So when Katie and I met, we kind of weren't planning to end up here together, really. It no. just happened. We were traveling the world for a little bit and working out what our life was going to look like together. And then one day she sort of said, yeah, maybe maybe I should try to come up and live over there for a little while. And yeah, I was like, really? I think we'd been planning. That's an option. <laughs> we'd actually been planning ways in which we could like transfer this island boy into Australian life. And, you know, he wasn't that rough, but um, try, <laughs> trying to work out a way that we could continue. I guess we'd been in a long-term relationship for about a year. Um, yeah. when we made the decision that I would move over here. But I actually came out here um, to the Solomons and to UPI as a volunteer, as a pharmacist. So I had um, I'd been working really hard and studying full-time as well, doing a post-grad degree and decided to volunteer 
on this health program and ended up here and that's how I met Jace. So that's sort of what brought us together hmm. um, here on the island, which is very strange because we actually both sort of semi grew up in a very small town in North Queensland called Townsville. And we had lots and lots of mutual friends and had kind of been at the same backyard parties and things, but never knew each other until we arrived here in really remote Solomon Island. So kind of bizarre. Mm, very bizarre. <laughs> and yeah, and then once we had been dating long distance for about a year, it was kind of like, hey, how are we going to make this work? I'm running out of annual leave to keep traveling because I sort of held a, a normal job. And yeah, and then I was like, well, maybe I could move to the island and just see what it's like for a year. And I honestly thought we'd do it for a year and then we'd find a way to kind of live together in Australia. But here we are like seven years later. Yeah, nearly eight years later. Haven't even left the island in the last two. So Yeah, we've been married and <laughs> wow. had kids and yeah. Oh, I love your story so much. That's beautiful. I got goosebumps when you were telling me it's like your soulmates or something. <laughs> supposed to meet. So that's really beautiful. Absolutely. Felt yeah. that way to be sure at the time. And and now, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when did you both find a passion for exploring the ocean? Oh, I mean, I just grew up in this lagoon that's right behind us here. And yeah, I've always been obsessed with the ocean. It's been sort of, I guess, what keeps calling me back here my entire life. But yeah, I guess when you when you share it with someone new, you relive all those experiences. And for me, when Katie moved up here, that was probably one of the moments which re-inspired me to reconnect with the ocean again and just yeah, relive all those amazing experiences I had as a child. And then when, since we've had kids, obviously yeah. it's just that tenfold because you're seeing it through those, those young eyes that just have no idea. They've got no preconceived ideas of what things should be. And yeah, it's the joy and excitement and pure passion that they get from the simplest things in the ocean mean that when you see the really incredible things it's just like completely next level yeah so. for, for me I think when I first came out here and when I met Jace it was um obviously not just meeting somebody who I fell in love with but also like discovering a place that I didn't even know existed and when I first volunteered and I heard Solomon Islands I I don't know what I thought I think I'd been too immersed in my own like world to even think that there was this beautiful place that existed and so when I arrived here I was kind of like looking around with my eyeballs popping out of my head like this is a magical place and I had no idea I was coming somewhere like this I thought I was going somewhere really hot and dirty and poor and you know there's definitely people living below the poverty line in this country but it is an absolutely stunning place and and they live a subsistence life so it's a very although it's not a cash-based economy they live a very very rich life that is you know they can live off the land and they they live as a community and a family it's an amazing it's an incredible culture it's not cash-based but it's just so it's so rich yeah. um, in, in culture and the, and the really unique way of life that they're able, able to still live, which is, yeah. which is so incredible. It was like it was a bit of a shock to my system, I think, because as a younger child, I'd always been pretty adventurous and outdoorsy. And then for several years after getting through my university degree and starting a more corporate life, um, working as a clinical pharmacist in a big shiny hospital, I kind of, you know, I was as white as a light bulb and um, I hardly did outdoor stuff at all. Like I was all about work and study and 
Yeah, my first taste of scuba diving was on that very first trip and um, Jace's mum, Jill, took me for a um, like an exploratory dive and I was just like, oh my God, there's this world beneath the surface I had no idea existed. So my passion for it's kind of grown since then. Like the mm-hmm. very first trip I came back on after that, I did my scuba certificate and yeah, it's just been nonstop since that moment. And I actually feel more at home, you know, since having that discovery and that change than I ever did before. It was kind of like a discovery of a person I was meant to be, not this, you know, person working in the shiny hospital on the Gold Coast in a big city in Australia. So, yeah. Wow, it sounds like a dream. (laughs) You guys actually like to free dive as well, right? Not just scuba dive, is that right? Yeah. yeah, we yeah. primarily free dive actually, just because it's. I actually think that's been a big, a big change for us since having kids. Like we've always loved free diving, and we've always done a bit of spear fishing. Um, but when we had Arlo and he was really little, I don't know something about going scuba diving and being at depth and you know not being contactable as easily. Like yeah, if you're under there, you can't immediately surface is that if that something goes wrong with, um, and you can uh, but it's not kids. as safe I suppose yeah so. we we started going out for short free diving trips when Arlo was a baby because it was like hey we can go for half an hour and we're, we're right on the surface and someone can drive a boat over and grab us if something's you know not going right so that's when it really kicked off for me I think mm. where I've started enjoying it more even more so than scuba diving and we're scuba diving pretty rarely yeah now now <laughs> And then is it quicker to free dive in terms of you don't have to prepare as much gear and that kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely is. And you don't, yeah, you don't need the same level of equipment. You don't need the same level of support. So, you know, it's pretty uncommon to take your own boat, anchor, scuba dive, come back to the boat, all that sort of thing. Whereas with free diving, you're on the surface all the time. You can keep an eye on the, on the boat and make sure that it's safe and not washing away. Uh, yeah, so it's a lot quicker for us, a lot easier for us to just run out, go for an hour, 45 minutes, and then run back. And yeah. I and sometimes take the kids, you know, if you, yeah, if you, that's right, if you're both going <laughs> and you're on the surface, you can have the kids with you and have, you know, one of them hanging on to your neck and diving down shallow with you doing all sorts of stuff. So yeah, definitely been sharing a lot more of that since mm. they're a little bit older. Yeah. And, well, I'm sure your kids have been around water since birth, but what are some safety measures you do take or that you can advise parents to do to help kids learn to respect the water and to be aware of its strength? Yeah, that's a really good question because I think when we first had Arlo, a lot of people said to us, how are you going to safeguard the island? And it's yeah. like, well, we live on an island, so there's water all around us. and They're eating breakfast on top of the water yeah, right now. <laughs> our, house, our house is over the water. If, you know, both of them can climb over the ledge that we've got just here and it would be a pretty dangerous fall. But I think for us living in this extreme environment, it's pretty important that they are supervised 100% of the time. Yeah. Um, because, you know, there's so many ways in which it could be dangerous if one of them were to sort of wander off on their own. Obviously, we've started teaching them to swim and be um, as safe as possible in the water so that if something like that did happen, they had measures to hopefully try and save themselves. But we certainly don't rely on that. Um, And I guess one of the things we have done, like one approach has been not to try and safeguard every aspect of the island. The kids are very, very aware of their boundaries. And I guess we've kind of learned as we've gone along to see how that's worked because both Arlo and Philly are really different. 
Arlo's really super cautious and he was our first. So we're kind of like, oh, this is easy. He's very aware, you know, he's so careful around edges and he'll walk along the jetty, but he won't get too close. And then we had Philly and she's like the opposite. She climbs on everything. She runs super fast. She goes full speed down the jetty. You've got to kind of chase after her. But um, both of them now, you know, Philly's two and a little bit. They know their edges. They're pretty good. Um, yeah. I think really it's modelled off how Solomon Islanders raise their children. Like they they live in a village which has limited resources. They use they have ba- more, more basic structures, so they don't have fences and railings and all that sort of stuff. So from it's from birth, you're looking at water, you're seeing people swimming. Your the kids were swimming from from ten weeks old, um, knowing that it's a different environment, knowing that you're not on land. And we, we were putting the kids under from 10 weeks old. Mm-hmm. So they were getting their head put under the water from a really, really young age. So experiencing that, oh, okay, I'm coughing, I'm spluttering. I know that this isn't air. I know this is a different environment. And yeah, I think trying to not create a sense of fear around it. But educating them at the same yeah. time. So as for advice for other parents who don't live this extreme lifestyle all the time, if you go to a destination where there is water all around you, take the time to go down to that particular problem area with your kids and talk through those boundaries and explain what would happen if they were to fall and give them the chance to sort of understand it a little bit. Yeah. And, and I mean, we've had a couple of disasters. Yeah. Um, <laughs> tell a story about our <laughs> we, we had just um, fed, not fed the sharks, but we, we often throw scraps off one of our main jetties into the deep water passage and particularly at the moment because there's no visitors here. So we had thrown some scraps into the ocean and there was probably around 20 reef sharks just sort of swimming around the jetty. And Arlo was playing with a, a fender, like a, a... Well, I just left and I said... Yeah, Jason just left. He left me with the two kids and he said, watch Philly, you know. She's just keep, in one of those moods. <laughs> she's in one of those moods. She's all over the place. Keep your eye on Philly. So I was kind of consciously keeping my eye on her. And Arlo was playing with a, a fender or a, a buoy over the side of the jetty and he was trying to pull it up and it obviously got stuck. So he pulled, it got stuck and he went straight over head first into the water. And my first thought, and I saw it go in my peripheral vision, I saw him sort of going head first down into the water. And my first thought was like, oh my God, the sharks. So I just like jumped. And then as soon as I jumped, I was like, oh my God, Philly, she's going to follow me. She's just going to jump in. She's going to think it's time to jump in. Anyway, we, I got in the water pretty quick. By the time I jumped in, he was swimming up to the surface to take a breath and there was no sharks. It was fine, but we swam around to the front and, and Arlo was so upset because he got his clothes wet, you know, like he wasn't that concerned about the fact that he fell in on top of sharks or anything, but. They have zero fear of sharks. They respect them for what they are. They know they're just an animal like any other. They're like puppy dogs in Australia to them. Yeah. having And they weren't, he wasn't, they weren't in a dangerous situation. Even like sharks no. are very, very smart. They know who, they know what people are. They know what fish traps are. Mm. They can identify very, in, better in than moment, we can in the ocean. Yeah. In, it's in a total moment. normal reaction. You're like, well, my child is born in the water and there are sharks there. So of yeah. course. And an unexpected splash on the surface of the water, you know, yeah. isn't ideal, particularly it's not that big, but what kind of it was fine. are near you? I mean, uh, black tip reef sharks, white tip reef sharks and grey reef sharks. So a smaller variety smaller, of reef yeah. sharks. So they're... Um, and they're not super aggressive sharks. So uh, they're all scavengers. They um, And they, we like, we would have 300 sharks on our reef just here on the, on the Upi Reef, just around the resort. So there's sharks everywhere. And they're just like anything. It's like the difference between, you know... Like, cat and a lion or a tiger and uh, you know your domestic cat it's the same thing 
if you respect them and you know their boundaries, then then but you know that, that situation we learned from it, and Arlo knows now that if he's pulling something that's possibly caught around the the post or something that that could pull him in, and so you know we sat down afterwards and went through it and sort of helped him to realize that that he caused that situation himself, and he has to be really careful if he's if he's wanting to pull something up and ask for help. So. You learn from your mistakes, I guess. <laughs> the yeah. joke now is that he was actually just swimming down to check out the giant clams, which yeah. are beneath the jetty. I just wanted um, to see the clams. <laughs> <laughs> With no well, goggles that, on. <laughs> that was one of the things I wanted to actually ask you guys, because here in Canada, it's like we have bears and cougars on the trail that we're concerned about. But that was one thing, wildlife safety in the ocean. So there is sharks, but it, do other things concern you as well around the island? Mostly, sting it, mostly stingers. stingers. I mean, yeah. in the water, um, I don't know if you guys have seen on our on our Instagram recently, but we've had big plumes of jellyfish coming through with um, major changes in the current. So that happens typically around this time of year, which is a pretty nasty um, stinger. And unfortunately, Arlo's quite allergic. So if he gets any kind of um, marine sting, he just blows up and um, he really suffers from it. So we've got to be pretty careful. Usually one of us does the test. It's like, you get in or I'll get in. And and whoever whoever jumps in first has to do the stinger test. Oh, yeah, we're clear. Um, but usually if there are stingers, Arlo finds them, unfortunately. Then yeah. he seems to I know, I know I do. So I'm the magnet. Yeah. I, can, I can do um, the test. But otherwise on the island, you know, we've got snakes, but they're all tree snakes. Um, so they're all pretty safe. For me, it's centipedes. Centipedes, centipedes are the biggest worry. Um, oh. so a very very venomous yeah type of centipede on the island and our kids don't wear shoes they're all barefoot the entire time and they run through the gardens and they play everywhere there's certain and... areas that attract them and yeah. one of the areas is our backyard where the kids play well yeah it's it's <laughs> it's just an outdoor environment i don't think yeah. it's got more than i mean we just make sure we rake the leaves and yeah so but that for me i guess is the one that you have to constantly be on the lookout for because it's just they're just everywhere so you just have to be conscious and the kids know like we've, we they see them and you know what do you do when you see a centipede it's like scream a bear i guess what do you, you, do? you scream out for us <laughs> and you run the other direction that's the because they're pretty fast man these things can move yeah. so that's the rule you know like if you see a centipede you scream you, you scream oh. mummy daddy and you run the other way <laughs> And grab yes. your sister or vice versa. Well, and then what um, happens if, because you said they're venomous. So what happens if you don't have a good situation where they run the other way in time? Well, that's the... We don't like to think about it, to be honest. But We, we have to be incredibly self-reliant here on the island. So there is no tertiary level hospital. There's actually no hospital in the area. So we would have I to fly. It's not a lethal toxin. No, it's not a lethal toxin, but the shock effects yeah, could potentially in the worst case scenario, yeah, be fatal. But yeah, so basically we have to handle most things on the island. So we have an extremely extensive array of medicines and equipment that we have here to handle most situations. Katie, obviously with her medical background, and I've been running medical tours for 10 years with, you know, large teams of doctors and full surgical components and everything. So we have a lot of stuff here to handle that sort of situation. Particularly but, with support if we were to like call Yeah, for and it. worst case scenario is you fly a helicopter in and you get out at extraordinary expense, but that's what you just have mm. to live with. That's kind of like always been our ethos. And now with COVID, it's just like exponentially greater um, because there's no yeah more complicated because there's no flights in regularly we only have two flights a week so if you happen to get bit on a tuesday you gotta wait till friday or we could we could divert an aircraft to come down or or something like that but it's not 
Actually, we had to do that with Ophelia not that long ago because we thought she broke her arm. So that was turned a, out to be fine. Turned out to be fine, but that was a yeah. We just diverted a flight and paid the expense of that, which yeah. And was, that's kind of what you, what you just have to do. You have to rely on yourself a lot more, and then you have to be willing just to make the call. No, what would we do if we were in Australia right now? What would we do if we had a hospital next door? We would go to hospital. Okay, so how do we make that happen? this enormous logistical nightmare. Okay, well, that's what we're going to do. And yeah, we've done it a few times. Yeah, you just have to live like that. And I hope for the best. Yeah. <laughs> yes, always hope for the best, for sure. And like, what other activities do your kids like to do on the island then? Like in the water or do they like to do a lot of land activities? So yesterday they went on a treasure hunt, which was like a natural, a natural treasure hunt. They had to find a, a seed pod and a coral fossil and a beautiful leaf. They came back with all sorts of things. Yeah. Um, they love the beach. The beach is sort of the go-to. Um, where they're sort of half in the water, shallow water, but they can be with someone other than Jason and I. Yeah. Um, so that's really good because they can, it's it's like an environment where they just can create adventures and stories for themselves. I find the beach yeah. so creative because it's not just the beach with sand. It's got trees that overhang the water, everything that washes up, all the different seed pods, the flowers, They've got their um, little canoe. They can go for a paddle. Yeah, there's so much going on there. Like they come back from the beach. I'm like, what did you do? Did you, you know, go for a swim? Did you look at the Nemo's there or something like that? And they're like, oh no, um, there was a, there was a, we made sand lasagna and there was a, a tree earthquake and a, this and a, that. And it's like there's this whole backstory to what's going on, which has nothing to do with being at the beach. Like you could be in a sand pit anyway. <laughs> Yeah, we're very lucky to be here with with Jace's parents. So um, for them to spend time with their grandparents down at the beach. But yeah. and on, also we have an amazing, the kids have a Solomon mum as well, who's here a lot of the time. You've probably seen makes, her in the background. She's, she's whizzing in and, in and out whilst we're talking. Yeah, she's incredible. And she brings a whole, I guess, different level of. Oh, her um, creative play yeah. with the outdoors because, um, you know, the kids here don't have resources like our kids have and you know we even look in our back room where the kids toys and things are and we think they've got so much stuff and then you you go to the villages and they just don't have things so it, it just creates that creativity which yeah. is incredible but the, they definitely do a lot of play um, on land as well every single day there's an adventure there's a crab hunt there's crab races there's hermit crab villages that they build they've got lots of sort of timber offcuts from the building that we're doing at the moment and they just build these mazes around the backyard of little crab mazes that mm. they follow around. Hermit crabs, little ones in the shells, like with the, the hard shell on the back. Um, but they also love, to be perfectly honest, Arlo particularly is a bit of an indoors kid as well. Like he is just like obsessed with puzzles and mm -hmm. books and building so like all you know your duplo your blocks all that sort of stuff so last you know usually lasts a good hour and then everyone's like okay let's go outside yeah which is good though because i think otherwise you mm. could be outside all the time like we struggle just to keep them not out in the sun all the time not in the water all yeah. the time doing things that where there's mosquitoes and well, you, know, and you worry else, about the sun and someone else also has to have the energy to do it like the kids <laughs> you know kids they just operate at this level that no other human can keep up with so when you're outdoors doing that stuff all the time yeah well, yeah. it's good to get rain, or is it pretty yeah. sunny? You get a lot of rain. Yeah, yeah, we get three meters of rain a year. Okay, wow. So, yeah. yeah, but it's it's kind of like I mean, right now it's amazing blue sunny skies. It rained overnight, and it rained overnight, and we probably got an inch overnight. Like it's just that 
it's on or it's off kind yeah. of thing. We very rarely get that dreary weather where it just Yeah, it's very, very or... unusual for us to have heavy rain for a longer period. And when that happens, we feel like we're in London and we get very sad. And then, <laughs> um, and then eventually the sun, the sun comes out again and we're yeah. all fine. Kind of comes down and it's a reset. So Katie, yeah. did you have to change any of your water adventures when you were pregnant? Uh, a little bit, yeah. So when I was pregnant, I probably spent even more time in the water. Um, just because it's the best form of physical activity for me um, to, to keep moving and not, you know, have a sore back. And um, I found that when I was pregnant with Arlo, he would really chill out, must have been going to sleep when I was in the water. And so I sort of stopped uh, free diving to depth. So I'd still go out with Jason. I would just sort of snorkel around on the surface or especially once I was heavily pregnant, if we would go spear fishing for dinner or something, I'd like swim around with my spear gun on the surface and you'd be surprised. I did well actually to get a few good sized fish on the surface, but it was kind of just spontaneous and, and good luck. But yeah, I, I stopped um, uh, free diving to depth probably around oh, as soon as like we 12 knew weeks. Yeah. Or as soon as, as soon as we knew, just because it's a very uncertain. It's not studied at all. Yeah. And our, our obstetrician sort of advised just to take it easy. So I took advantage of that and just chilled out. But I was definitely in the water a lot. No scuba. No scuba. Okay. And for the whole time, no scuba for the whole time or just at a certain point? No. Yeah. No, for the whole time. Um, I think in the early stages of pregnancy, that's, you know, most doctors are most concerned about that initial three months because of the early developmental processes that are going on. So, you know, breathing different air and being at depth where there's pressure changes, um, the, the impacts of that are just unknown. So I know there are some studies done of some people who, some women who have continued free diving during pregnancy with no impact. But again, it's that breath hold and longer periods of not having the same level of oxygenated blood so i'm yeah. we were you know always on the side of caution and just took it easy which is really nice as well awesome so did you have a home birth or how did that go no so we actually i would not take the risk i guess here you know it's very it's very very remote we're very far from help so we actually returned to australia when i was about 30 weeks um, and that was the advice of our obstetrician. So even in the capital here, the hospital, I mean, they do well and there's a really good midwifery program in this country to support pregnancies and births um, of the local community. Um, for us, we, we didn't feel comfortable, I suppose, with the level of care here. There's no special care nursery. There's no, there's not even really a pediatrician most of the time. It's also um, the, you know, not wanting to place, there's, it's already an overloaded system. So for us, it was like, look, everything going well, it's an it would be an amazing fine. experience, it'd be fine, but we didn't want to place additional burden on the health system that we didn't need to. And we also were just conscious that, you know, if something did happen out of the ordinary, it would be better for us to be back yeah. in in yeah. Australia and also closer to Katie's mum. Yeah, so it was, a, it was a nice excuse really to get back to Australia and spend some time with our other family and friends. And um, yeah, so it all went really smoothly with Arlo. And then for Ophelia, I remember thinking maybe we could just stay on the island like a bit longer. Maybe we could stay until 35 weeks and get a special letter so we can still fly and everything. But our obstetrician said no. And thank goodness he did because she... I went into an early labor and we had an emergency situation with Ophelia. So it, it turned out to be really lucky that we were in Australia with her. Yeah. 
absolutely yeah yeah definitely i haven't thought about that (laughs) (laughs) what if we were here yeah like i i haven't even really contemplated what would have happened if we were still here and that happened it would have been pretty stressful but everything kind of worked out expensive it would have been an expensive (laughs) evacuation i imagine yes absolutely so do you have a typical day on the island or what kind of like what do you do each day we just filmed one yesterday. We just filmed uh, We just vlogged <laughs> one for our YouTube channel. Um, at the moment, like we've got, probably we've both got so much on. So we've just started our YouTube channel a few months ago. So I'm editing the videos for that. So that's taking me quite a lot of hours in the week at the moment. So when I'm editing, usually the kids are with Miriam or, or Jill or Grant, their grandparents, oh, yeah. or with you. So I'm probably doing that a couple of days a week. And then if I'm not doing that and we're filming, then we're doing something really adventurous and really fun, which is kind of like my favourite time of the week now because, you know, I even find I might get a bit of time to myself to go and do a workout or something like that, which is unusual. But uh, we wake up early in the morning, usually have breakfast together and then go our separate ways. So, Jace, you're working on lots of building projects at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, mate. Uh, yeah, so generally we always have breakfast together, we always have lunch together, we always have dinner together and sort of in between, depending on who's doing what, uh, one of us will be doing something with the kids or uh, I'll usually be managing the rest of the staff that are on the island because although we're closed, we're still caught in the middle of a massive uh, rebuild of the resort. So we've got like all these different things we're trying to achieve at once at, at, once at the moment. And yeah, and then we'll try and fit in Usually, I mean, if it's not a crazy busy day, like we'll try and get in the water, particularly now that the jellyfish have gone again. Um, even if it's just like a jump off the jetty and a swim in the ocean in the afternoon, the kids will have already been in for sure. But just the time for us to actually do that together is always fun, a fun way to end the day. Or sometimes we actually manage to sneak away and go for a little snorkel for 30 minutes, just on, you know, 4.30, 5 o'clock in the afternoon. Um, or sneak away and spear something for dinner. Yeah, because we have no food. <laughs> I think a typical day for us always centers around meal times. Yeah. I guess would be the way to look at we it. We come us. together for every meal and yeah. our rest times after lunch. Um, one of us is laying down with Arlo to read books and the other one settles Philly in the pram. We're kind of cheating and just sleeping her in the pram all the time at the moment. Because, you don't have any space. There's nowhere for yeah. her to sleep anywhere else. <laughs> and if we're still like living in this space, trying to rest with Arlo and read with him and whatnot, then there's no quiet place for Philly. So we put her in the pram and and leave her in the house next door where we can hear her cry out when she wakes up or up top yeah but every morning there's usually some sort of an activity with the kids they're either going down to the beach going for a paddle or going on a a crab hunt or something and then coming back for lunch and then the afternoons are a little hotter so often somewhere to find a cool breeze and play up in the main house area the restaurant area of the resort where they've got all of their timber blocks and things set up up there or they help us with meal prep or something like that yeah they both love cooking which is really fun yeah Arlo's an amazing bread maker (laughs) no nanny you forgot the yeast (laughs) (laughs) an important ingredient well it sounds like you have such beautiful family bonding days together so nice you ever have feelings of isolation or miss the accessibility of having people visit you easily I guess especially in the last two years I think I think probably just in the last two years before that like it's such a busy resort normally it's very small it's tiny so like maximum 20 people and they're all 
really like-minded people. It's a very, very remote spot. It's very unique in what it offers. And the style of the resort, the vibe of the resort is literally like you're coming to stay with us as part of our family. So we have an incredibly extensive list of people who come back regularly, who kind of become your friends and family. family. Yeah, like we get invited to their weddings. We go and see them when we're in Australia. It's just, it's really unique relationship um so we're always looking on the book oh you know that family's coming up or this couple are coming back oh so we have that constant uh sort of rotation of people coming through of course we miss our people who we all grew up with we both grew up with but we would normally probably travel back to australia every three to four months just for a very short trip um just to touch base um see katie's yeah. mum if she's all those been maintenance here. things go to the dentist get your skin checked yeah all those health related things you need to keep on top of and then bounce back here which is it seems a bit of a choppy changey way of doing things but i think it actually keeps everything a bit more fresh and you mm. come back with fresh eyes as well so if something's happened around the place and you're like oh didn't notice that that's not you know we need to change that because you haven't been staring at it for the last four months ignoring it or something like that but the past two years because of covid you know it's coming up yeah. to it's been over two years since i haven't left, left in over two i haven't left the island in over yeah. two years um and february for me will be two years since we've left and we've been through some major ups and downs during this period just in terms of that um that feeling of isolation being disconnected from our family and family connections that are really important to us and missing particularly my mum who hasn't seen the kids since Philly was five months old and Arlo was not even two and it just breaks your heart a little bit but you know thank goodness for FaceTime and being able to connect online with the technology we've got now because that's kind of got us through and everyone stayed really strong but it's a it's it's yeah COVID's just been a complete yeah we're still kind of hanging on for when it's going to be possible (laughs) I don't even know how we feel now to be perfectly honest yeah I think we're kind of in, we're in a bit of a peak at the moment where we're yeah. dealing with it really well. Like we're, um, we're busy with things going on here and that's keeping us really optimistic. And we know that the end of this is going to come eventually. Yeah, definitely. So it must be around the corner. And um, I think we, I, I didn't realize that, I guess people would feel this being here for two months if they've never lived this life, mm-hmm. but it's, ta- it took a long while for me to really feel it, but it's by a wow, like, you know, the pressure of being here all by yourself depend with kids, I think is probably the big change. Mm. It's what changed it for us because the, the every emotion's heightened if it's related to their safety or their health, it's heightened. If it's related to Katie's mum and her, you know, not seeing her, it's not just us, it's not just her, it's the kids now. You've got this, yeah, this other Yeah, but also I think um having young children, sometimes we we really crave going out with our friends who've yeah. got kids and just talking about the things that our kids do and like, you know, seeing if we're normal. <laughs> Are these things that all families go through or is this just, we've just got these strange children that do these strange things? Um, Is it just us? Because you don't have those sorts of conversations over FaceTime. Usually if if you've got friends with kids, you call them, you're lucky to get 10 minutes of normal conversation before like some kid takes out the phone, you know, like yes it's um, not the same what would be your piece of advice for anyone that's feeling that sense of isolation I guess FaceTime right to an extent yeah right. absolutely absolutely reach out to friends yeah absolutely and I think just talk I think I probably it's the first time I've ever in my life I mean I've lived here as I said since I was like two months old on and off so it's been a massive wake up for me I think and 
I guess for guys, probably it's more yeah. of an issue just talking, admitting if you're struggling and, know, and knowing don't that you hesitate to reach out. Yeah, definitely. If you're the one that needs that connection in the moment, if you're missing it and you feel like it would be nice to talk to a friend, don't think that the other person doesn't have the time for yeah. it. Just call and see. And if you are, like, I know heaps of people have struggled in lockdowns and stuff around the world over the last two years, and everyone everyone's in the same situation so i think everyone has felt it on some level so if you just say look no hey i really need to catch up mate i need a couple of hours can you make time everyone does it's just that i think a lot of people are afraid to reach out and you know make people feel that they're needy yeah, or anything I like that so. i actually recall thinking when covid started like oh wow people have got to be isolated you know this is something we're quite good at and we do this all the time you know like that's really, that's really we make fish noises we, have we love it we basketball. always have kids on the podcast <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. yes. that's really so, not katie <laughs> <laughs> so we may have seen a hint on this on instagram but do you plan to stay on the island for a while or what's next well check out an episode you're putting that no just joking um we're definitely definitely uh definitely staying on the island what we've actually changed is um we're building a new home so the title of that uh hint was we're leaving our island home uh it's actually that we've just decided to uh, to build a place that just enhances this life a lot more so this this house that we live in is is very 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 small you can see a kitchen behind us it's gonna be a podcast yeah i know but you know, just one meter that direction is our bed and then it's the kids' room. It's, so it's, all it's about 45 square meters for everything. So it's oh. tiny. It's half the size of a one-bedroom apartment and there's four of us living here. Yeah, that's that. That's probably the biggest challenge. So I think having this experience during COVID, it has wanted, it's, it's given us the and have this kind of little bit of isolation, this bit of privacy, which we never had when we were living in the full resort life. So yeah, we're building a new home. It's in... This absolutely phenomenal location, which is so incredibly connected to nature that literally we have <laughs> we have rainforest on all four sides, a meter from the boundary. We're on a cliff. The open ocean is there. We're looking out waiting for whales and dolphins and whale sharks and whatever to swim past to go and, and swim with them. And just yeah, enhancing how connected we are to I the think environment. We're trying to thing. set ourselves up to be comfortable to be able to stay here longer than we probably thought we were going to a couple of years ago. Yeah. So um COVID has certainly changed our timeline of um events because of you know goals that we had Everything. for the resort and bye. Bye Arlo. Um we sort of initially thought we would be moving back to Australia for Arlo to start school. And now we've had two years witnessing the world with their children displaced out of schools and they all did fine. So, you know, it's definitely changed our perspective, but also we've had this period of absolutely embracing what we have here and realizing that it's really special. And we only really got onto social media because of COVID because of this situation of feeling quite isolated. So it's actually really turned things the other direction for us a little bit in terms of what we want in the longer term. So building the house is the first step in that direction, sort of setting ourselves up so that we're more comfortable to be here for a longer period of time with a growing family. Well, congratulations. That's so exciting. What you guys have everyone, is so, so special. You know, at Kids Who Explore, we always talk about helping, like having nature help raise our children. And 
you guys have that to the nth degree. So thank you for sharing what you have going on. What would you tell families to help them get outside? And especially if they wanted to go explore the water as a new family? Well, just with regards, first of all, to getting outside, I think just look close to home and keep it simple. Like our kids, the hours we can spend playing with leaves is just like phenomenal. So don't think that you have to have this insanely complex and difficult adventure to have fun with your kids outside because the the likelihood is that you're going to spend so much time and energy trying to organize that that it's probably not going to live up to your own expectations. Um, not to say don't have big big plans like that, but if you if you're starting out, I'd say just stay close to home, keep it simple, and yeah, find something really close to home that's interesting that you can just grow that the whole storyline can grow from. Yeah, and don't underestimate how um, how much the outdoors can turn a, situ- a situation around. I think sometimes when you're caught indoors and things are feeling a bit hectic and you're seeing like toddler. Um, coping mechanisms go downhill or out the door you kind of think oh god the last thing I want to do is take an adventure and take this situation into another environment but I think it's it's so wonderful how kids can change once you take them outside and they have that freedom to explore and breathe the fresh air and look at the beautiful things in nature I think not being afraid of that is a really good place to start yeah because what they see is not what we see they just see this whole other world that we completely gloss over and ignore because we've seen it you know for the yeah. last however many years we, we always use it as a real positive you know like oh everyone's feeling a bit you know yeah. everyone's feeling a bit cold, cooped, up. cooped up inside <laughs> let's go outside and get some fresh air and stretch our legs and go and see something different and I don't know a time where they've ever resisted no. it no I think with the underwater thing with the water it's all about for us it's always been about finding a way for them to connect so like you only need to look to the entertainment industry with how they, you know, they try and give a human-like personality to creatures in the ocean. And it's been so successful in um, whatever the octopus one was, my, my, I can't my remember My octopus that. teacher. My octopus teacher, was that it? Yeah. And finding Nemo, all those things, you're giving human-like qualities to animals under the sea, which allows kids to connect and it doesn't need to be anything complex. Yeah, like, when they're little, you can start with things like pippies. You know, Arlo knows all the different types of mollusks because he's comfortable in that space in the shallow water. Yeah. So to start where they're comfortable yeah. and demonstrate confidence in the water because that allows them to feel safe and, and comfortable there as well to explore and discover things within their comfort zone while sort of also being connected to the ocean so yeah. i mean we've definitely struggled at times where we've pushed it too far because we as parents wanted them to yeah. see the giant manta rays <laughs> you know and although we would never put our kids in an unsafe situation where they weren't capable of being there for whatever reason on that day they weren't keen for that they wanted to be at the beach playing with the pippies or yeah. whatever it was so i think particularly with arlo because he's so much more uh, cautious and he, he moves yeah he just likes to be really confident in what he's doing he actually dictated the terms of his own experience. And he then once, you know, he was comfortable doing that, put his head in the water and saw something with his goggles on. And then it was like, you couldn't stop him. him. You literally had to hold him back because he was going here, there and everywhere trying to discover more things in the ocean, but it was his decision. And that's obviously always the hardest thing as a parent is to see from there. With you play to their strengths. And I think seeing other children come through the resort as well has given us good insight to know that say you want to experience a big ocean adventure like diving with manta rays or swimming with sharks is to 
prepare them a little bit prior to that happening. And I don't mean just moments before, you know, it could be a week before you travel to go on holidays. It could be during your flight over somewhere during that journey to start teaching them about different facts about those creatures that they're, they're possibly going to see so mm. that they have something that they're anticipating and that they're looking for. And that takes some of the fear away as well. You know, when we talk about sharks and the features of the sharks, a lot of our sharks here have names. And so the kids recognize certain sharks by defects that they might have on them and they've named them. And so, you know, to take some of the initial fear of getting in the water away, you talk about, oh, let's see if we can find Finley today. Maybe Finley's here. And straight away, the kids have got their head in the water. They're looking for Finley. And so I think preparing them a little bit prior to a big experience like that can help and talking about the creatures themselves, where mm. obviously always taking an opportunity to teach them something interesting. And Jace's parents are very scientific. They know that their knowledge of underwater marine ecosystems is just insane. And so they, they teach them all sorts of things about these creatures. So the kids come out of the water and they're, you know, they're talking mm. about phosphorescence and all sorts of random things. <laughs> No, Daddy, that's a mollusk. <laughs> that's oh, a mollusk. Okay. It's not a Sorry, son. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Finding a way for them to connect and and um, like with the manta rays, like not just looking at a giant manta ray, which is three three meters wide, yeah, saying, let's "Oh, look, let's see let's... if we can see the mandible." That's the little bit of you know flesh at the front that scoops the water into their mouth so they can eat. It's kind of like a spoon. Yeah, and, and they're not looking at this giant animal. They're looking for the mandible at the mm -hmm. front of their face or the little tiny fish that sometimes swim in front or something like that. Yeah, and we had a few attempts <clears throat> with Arlo to see the manta rays um, where we didn't pre-prepare him. Mm. And we just thought, you know, he can swim well enough. He can come on our back. And it wasn't the experience we anticipated. And then in the future, we were like, okay, let's see if the mandibles are doing this, then it's trying to turn or swim. Or if they're doing this, it's trying to scoop food into its mouth. So let's see if it's doing that. And that was like what changed the next yeah. trip we went out. And he was really looking for certain behaviors and activities of the manta. And that helped him to just keep his face down and look and observe. So I think that's good advice. <laughs> I don't that's know. Amazing advice. This is really great. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> is there anything else you guys want to share and where can people follow along? I know what I, we were trying so hard to think of the thing one, under $100 that we could suggest. Um, oh, yes. But honestly, like everything costs so much money for us to get it here. By <laughs> the air shipping costs or, more than $100. And then it was like, the question was, what's something in what's something in the past few months it takes us months to get anything here this is why so i'm like i want a whole other episode with you guys because i was thinking okay i want to hear what grocery shopping is like there yeah. I, everything. <laughs> I know i have so many questions <laughs> well no okay, such thing as grocery shopping <laughs> right there's not right no, no well, you have to go to a like a market a style, local produce market, local produce market. Um, <clears throat> and then like other essentials we have to order either from the capital or from australia which is um logistically takes a longer one to five time. months to get yeah. here so, so either you by have a youtube video freight. on this on a day in your kitchen yeah. okay I'll yep. yeah. yeah so we actually the, if you want to oh. follow along uh the instagram has sort of day-to-day -day captured moments of what happens in our life but we decided to start the youtube channel because we really, I guess we were wanting more as far as connecting with people. And this is what we would do every day of our lives. If the resort was open, we yeah. eat every meal with our guests. We are doing activities with them all day. That's how intimate this place is. And we lost that. So that's what our YouTube channel is. It's literally 
real world what we do every day and the adventures that we have so there's episodes on what we eat in a day there's episodes on a daily life not like a, on a normal a day in a life yeah, and there's holiday adventures. and there's big adventures on on but, what you can see in this incredible area and that for yeah, us was like and we're just getting started oh, it's, it's brand like. new but it gave us the opportunity to tell the story a bit more about like do this place justice because this is an incredible part of the world and it's a really unique place to raise kids and live a different life which is more focused around the family um even though we all work every day <laughs> we don't have days off but we yeah it just it just tells the story in a little more depth than we're able to on instagram so i'd say definitely the youtube's a, a really fun place to yeah. visit and so you can search the island life of us yeah. um we should come up if you search that on youtube and same on instagram our handle is at the island life of us yeah i don't know about anything else to share just enjoy it get in the water with your kids yeah. any moment you can be in the water with your kids is one day we'll come to canada and um i'd yeah. love for the kids to explore different parts of the world as well so yeah. um last time we were in canada was for our honeymoon yeah we and went we just about first we went to canada in the middle of winter what mm -hmm. month was it ja january I january think. to alberta it was oh minus 30 yeah. yeah it was like minus 32 <laughs> degrees from up to alberta <laughs> we were like, we need something different. We need to go and experience the opposite to UP. And so we ended up in so Canada. Good. That was one of the best trips. Yeah, but I All would right. love to travel with the kids as well at some point. You know, like this world here is obviously absolutely wonderful and there's so much to explore. It's never ending. But, you know, when the world reopens, it would be nice to be able to take them to some different environments and see different creatures as well. They play play African safari games all the time. I so, think they want to go to Africa. Yeah, <laughs> like to Africa. Obsessed. That is amazing. Yeah. You know, everyone's going to want to adventure where you guys are living, especially after binging your YouTube. But it is very cool to hear that you want your kids to experience all these other areas as well, even the cold of Canada. <laughs> yeah, it would be amazing. I don't, and I'm not sure Arlo would survive. He gets cold here on a cool night using his long woolly. <laughs> and what about, do you guys have a book, show, or podcast recommendation right now that you guys have been listening oh. to or mostly are you busy editing your own channels? There is a lot of that at the moment. Um, the main one we use, both of us, is probably the Janet Lansbury Unruffled podcast. Oh, I love that If it's one. for kids. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's sort of where we turn to a lot of the time if we're having a struggle or something that we're trying to improve on a situation. We often turn to that podcast. She's got lots of amazing parenting yeah, she's advice. she's incredible. Um, in terms of that. She's so calm. Gentle parenting style. <laughs> and um, yeah, I currently am trying to hopefully learn more about developing a nice bond between the kids and that whole siblings without rivalry because um, as the kids grow and develop into their own personalities, we're seeing a lot of rivalry so between different. them. It's so, so different. So different. And it's challenging to know whether you're doing the best job. Um, and then for entertainment, a show. <laughs> I thought you were going to say something like Love Island. Then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean like on YouTube. Oh, we follow Sailing the Vagabond. They're yeah. a cool family, man. They're oh. an amazing Aussie family who yeah. sail around the world and have now got two kids on board a yacht. Which um, um, there's a lot of parallels between our life yeah, and probably sort why. of life on a yacht because of the small space in which we live and that connection to the ocean. So we kind of, we find that really entertaining. But... And I've got like 450 episodes so you can binge that for like a year. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. But otherwise, I don't think I have any other good podcast recommendations, sadly. Do you have any? <laughs> We're always looking for good content. 
Well, I, I'm going to send you, now that you said you like Unruffle, the, there's so many like simple families or all these other <laughs> gentle, being respectful parenting podcasts that I like. So I'll probably be sending some your way. <laughs> amazing. I'd love that. Well, thank you so much. This has been amazing. And like I said, I just want to hear more and more, but I will keep following along on your adventures as we will at Kids Who Explore. We wanted to say thank you to you guys as well, because I think when we first started our um, our journey online and on Instagram and we discovered Kids Who Explore, it was it was a moment where we realised there's other people out there wanting to create community with similar interests and that's been really powerful for us as well in our journey, wanting to do it and share our life online. So thank you guys for that. Thanks for adventuring with us. Please subscribe and share your love by reviewing our podcast with five stars and follow us over at Kids Who Explore on Instagram and all other social media platforms. This podcast is produced by KP Media Productions.